It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hello and welcome to this special Christmas edition of the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. The podcast that celebrates the best of the British countryside and offers you a welcome escape from the busy world of work and stress. That said, it's been a very hectic year for us. We've published 13 magazines, 500 web pages and 36, soon to be 37 podcasts. And in those three seasons of podcasts, we've been from Shetland to Cornwall and West Wales to Warship Down. So today is a great chance for us to look back at the highlights from the year just gone and also look forward to exciting adventures in 2020. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the editor of the magazine. And with me in the studio today are Joe Pontin, features editor. Hello. Karis Matthews, digital editor. Hello. Our section editor, Danny Graham. Hello. And our deputy art editor, Laura Phillips. Hello. So we've got mince pies, crackers and something stirring to drink. So without further ado... Let's crack open the booze. And, um, We've had one already. Yeah, the trouble with this bottle is that it's got the most unusual cork, so bear with me. I'm, I'm quite scared. Should we take cover? Yeah. <laughs> right, it better be worth it. Okay, I'm going to... Here we go, the sound of Christmas being poured out of the Country Farm magazine bottle. This is actually a bottle of vegan, organic fizz. Brilliant. How about Joe and Karis pull a cracker to start things off? In a, and cheers. Right, ready? <laughs> oh, I didn't... Did well it done, Karis. Oh, yes, thank you. Just a quick joke and then we'll crack on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should I put my hat on? My hats are a compulsory. Okay. <clears throat> This is pretty tricky. What lies in a pram and wobbles? 
A jelly baby. Yes. <laughs> Five points to Laura. Well, cheers, everyone. The pleasure in your voice when you Absolute said that. Absolutely joy getting something right. Oh, yeah, don't cheers. we all? It doesn't happen very often. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, chin. Caris is on the spiced cinnamon and wild apple. Um, so, at this point, it would be a good chance to have a look back at the year that we've just had and just come up with some of our highlights. So, who'd like to go first? Laura, any um, highlights from the year in mag, in yeah, life? In, in life uh, and in the mag, I, both, I guess. Um, this year, I started to do some volunteering work, which I'd not done before. Um, so, in the spring, uh, I got outside with my high vis and a torch and a bucket and helped the local toad patrol. Toad patrol, um, brilliant. To get the toads back to their pond at breeding season, um, they had to navigate a very busy road and a cycle path. Um, I can't say I was very good at it. Probably got <laughs> found about one toad. Oh, there were some really uh, expert toad patrollers that had buckets full of about 20 toads. Um, so that was good. I'm also volunteering with um, a teenager that's really um, passionate about nature and uh, the outdoors. That's um, also really rewarding to see um, how young people are passionate about the countryside. Um, and another highlight would be uh, Country Far Live at Castle Howard. Um, it's the first time that we went to Castle Howard and it was brilliant. It was brilliant to meet all the new Country Far yeah. viewers. It was a really fun, really fun time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, really, I loved um, it. We got, we got a, lot of, a lot of people at the stand and something like 1,300 subscriber, new subscribers. So brilliant. We love Yorkshire. Danny, how about you? What's, uh, what's, been, what's excited you this year? You're, you're, you're our resident adventurer. Most adventurous. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Joe? Uh, I think you definitely wear the crown, Danny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> mutual appreciation. The lakes. the lakes is a good one. Oh, yeah. um, I went uh, up there with my mum and brother um, and did some hostel walking to try and um, promote the idea of walking with uh, all abilities um, and uh, yeah, short distances each day, staying in staying in hostels with a bit of comfort. Um, and it was great. So you're showing that you can go to a really wild place yeah, yeah. and kind of have an enjoyable time without getting yeah. absolutely exhausted yeah. and completely and utterly frustrated yeah. with life. It didn't quite work out like that, though. It was pouring with rain the whole time, windy, uh, but my mum loved it. Are you sure you didn't go to Wales? Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't you have a wild night in Black Sail? Yeah, we stayed in Black Sail, which is, a, a, I think it's one of the most remote hostels, am I right? In one of the most be one of them. There's no main, there's no road to it. There's no there? road to it. Um, and yeah, we were in our beds very early, admittedly. But about 12 o'clock, there was a knock on the door, and Mountain Rescuer came piling in looking for a guy who'd apparently gone off wandering into the hills. They found him the following morning, thankfully, and he was okay. Wow. He'd been out all night. Gosh. Yeah. Pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in even in summer in the Lake District, yeah, yeah. It was May, wasn't it? That you yeah, were... May. Yeah. God. But it was it was it was a brilliant time. My mum really enjoyed it. So we're planning the next adventure. And that was written up in the magazine. It was written up in the magazine. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Strongly, yeah. I would yeah strongly recommend it. Take the oldies for a walk in the hills, following Dandy's advice. <laughs> um, Karis. How about you? Um, well, sticking with the family theme, so in the summer, uh, my parents celebrated their Ruby wedding anniversary and we all stayed in um, Brecon Beacons near Langorse Lake, 
which is an area that my dad used to visit as a child, so it's quite nice to return. Um, and we tackled a couple of hill walks that was sort of all family members could t um, conquer, so that was really good fun. Um, it was also nice to return to Bracken Beacons the following weekend to go to Green Man Festival. So it was a different kind of experience in the uh, Brecon Beacons, but still really great Yay. sort of outdoorsy festival and really good music lineup. Um, I've also been trying to avoid using a car as much this year. So doing some sort of slower journeys, um, some by bike. So taking all my camping stuff on bike and exploring um, the area around Bristol and Bath. Um, so that's been sort of a good highlight of the year. Do you use public transport to get out into the countryside then? So in September, we went down to Cornwall and we took our bikes on the train. So it was pretty easy, actually, to get around. Really? Um, as long okay. as you book. I hear all these horror stories about <laughs> never getting a bike on the train. and I think as long as you get there an, enough time just to sort of load up, um, we didn't have trouble. Okay. And it's really a nice way to explore and you don't have to sit on the a roads all, down, all the way down to Cornwall. That's nice to hear a positive story about getting around on public transport because my image of buses is sort of one bus in and then one bus out the following Wednesday from a small village or even a relatively large town and that's yeah it doesn't encourage us to give up our cars particularly those of us who live in the country but uh, I think it can be more work at times mm. but ultimately it's worth it because you don't have the hassle of I know sitting in traffic jams yeah. and you know that you're not yeah causing such an impact on the environment. True. Joe, how about you? Well, I've got, I've got another youth hostel experience and another Brecon Beacons experience. <laughs> where I kind of overlapping a bit, really. Joe is sitting in his, currently sitting in his Christmas wear, his, his thick outdoors jacket because it's so cold in well, here. Well, got cold in the office this morning. I'm not, I don't have any apologies for that. Danny's in a t-shirt. Danny's hard as nails. So my youth hostel experience was, oh, well, it's like, we basically, I decided to get away for a, a night with uh, with some friends and we just went on a mini adventure to the Brecon Beacons and it's just I just love the fact that with youth hostels you can do that it's very easy mm. though having said that they can be quite difficult to book but anyway we got into this particular one popular because it's near Penny Fan which if you don't know is the largest hill in the Brecon Beacons the largest in the southern Britain yeah that's right um and um we we it was a very simple day really we just arrived early it was a beautiful sunny day and i discovered that uh that i hadn't really considered how people walk you know when you go with a group and you don't know what you know people quite well but until you walk with them you don't really know how they walk turns out one of my friends ex military doesn't really walk he charges <laughs> hills yeah and so i spent most of the time on my own just bringing up bringing up the rear chugging up the hill slowly <laughs> but i was enjoying the day so i didn't really mind <laughs> i got to hang hang out with them at the top of course they were cold by the time i got to the top so they just wanted to move on but we had a really nice weekend and we had a, a you know i had a cooked a nice meal in the in the youth hostel and then you know headed home the next day so i just think that was that was a highlight another one was um somewhere called the Hannah Peshar Sculpture Garden, which is in Surrey. That's Hannah Peshar, P-E-S-C-H-A-R, if you're busy Googling. Um, it's just a lovely place. It's kind of tucked away somewhere near Dorking um, in some woods um, on the grounds of what was once a big country estate. Um, and you, you have to follow this little winding lane for what feels like miles. 
until you reach this little sunlit glade. Um, it's a little 15th century cottage sitting by a pond. And there's a string of ponds and, um, that, you know, follow the stream paths through this little valley. And the most amazing gardens all laid out with great big, great big exotic Chinese plants and things. Um, and it's owned uh, and run by um, the landscape designer Anthony Paul and Hannah Peshar. And it's the most beautiful place. And um, they've got a knack for placing this sculpture. There's all kinds of sculpture, really a very diverse mixture, but they, they have a, a brilliant knack for placing it in, in exactly the right way so that you get maximum impact. It's nice to choose somewhere in the sort of home counties where we don't often we don't often head there because it doesn't feel very wild for a countryside magazine. But actually, you've shown that there's little secret corners and pre- beautiful places pretty much everywhere once you get away from the concrete. Yeah, it's just, it's just about finding them, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's uh, keep reading the magazine. There's plenty of it in there. I have just one, well, one kind of key highlight was. Um, I've always been a big fan of the in fact, very influential book for me was Warship Down by Richard Adams. So I last January, I went for a walk to discover the real Warship Down, also sort of home counties, sort of Hampshire, Berkshire area. And it was absolutely beautiful day and one of those magical days where not many people are around. And I walked up onto this mythical place. And actually, it wasn't that exciting. But there's much more. There's many more beautiful hills nearby. And there only no saw talking hares. rabbits then. No hares. There were hares, no rabbits, uh, and they didn't talking talk. Hares. Talking hares. No, they were they were kind of they kept stum, oh. but uh, I had some really good wildlife experiences, and it formed the basis of the first mm. podcast of this year's um, all the podcasts we've done. So it was kind of a double a double uh, win really. But a, it's just sometimes it's lovely to go and actually see these places and see what inspired. Richard Adams in the first place and other authors so probably do more of those in the podcast season. I mean loads of highlights well one other highlight we've all had is winning I'm just going to go that's the sound of our trophy our weighty trophy for winning our immediate media our parent company awarded us cover of the year for our January cover which was of a blue tit in winter and um, that was very very, very pleasing to win that because that's voted for by the whole company. So uh, we thought that was a good one. Always nice to blow our own trumpets. Uh, right, well, how about another cracker? <laughs> Laura, shall we pull one? Yes. Okay. Oh. Uh, Laura wins again, so that's ten I points to Laura. The hat. Oh, where's the joke? It's in here somewhere. So you could pull one with, with, with Danny. Okay. Oh, Danny. Okay. Come on. Uh, Okay. Do the joke. Oh, lost again. Why did this? Uh, what did the sea say to the sand? Anyone? Shush. <laughs> Nothing. Wave. It just waved. Oh. <laughs> really terrible. Danny's got one. Before we move on to the next bit, what do you call a three-legged donkey? A wonky. Have <laughs> you had these before? That's just sheer intelligence and yeah, cunning. <laughs> this one feels familiar too. What is the biggest ant? A giant. Ooh, oh, well, that's a... Elephant. Elephant. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right. As Danny's hat rustles into um, we serious, more serious matters. Um, obviously, we deal not just with the fun and the beautiful, but also some of the more tricky things in the countryside. There's big issues. The countryside faces lots of challenges. 
There are some arguments and divisions about all sorts of issues, um, you know, from hunting to uh, development to flooding, all sorts of things are going on, which uh, people have various solutions to. Are there any stories that you've heard this year or anything that you've sort of got, has got your goat or that you feel you'd love to, if you had a magic wand, you could change it for the better? How about in reverse order? Uh, or how about, how about you, Karis? You look um, like you've got something so to say. So there was a story we published on um, countryfile.com last week, um, which was quite a shocking story and probably one of the hardest visually to look at that I've seen this year. Um, it's the story um, of a sperm whale who's fa- which was found dead, um, washed up on the Isle of Harris <clears> with more than 100 kilograms of marine rubbish and plastic in its stomach. Um, and some of the pictures are quite shocking, and I think it was a good illustration about how much... Um, waste is like floating around in our oceans and the impact it actually has yeah so that's something i would like to change um which i suppose ties in nicely to our litter campaign that we ran earlier this year but it was yeah particularly shocking to see that volume in the uh, whale's stomach yeah i mean i've got something similar but yeah this same. Is pop- less <laughs> visible but of course uh, you know you can't miss a whale on a beach but um on a smaller scale in the rivers all around the uk there's you know, there's, um, there's there's a lot of pollution events mm. uh, from agricultural runoff, from sewage, and you know, there's a lot of fish and insect life suffering, and um, it's it tends to be less visible, but it is it, it isn't great for the health of our of our rivers. So I'm, I suppose I'm hoping that in the year ahead, we will get some legislation that starts to address yeah it's so pernicious particularly in wales where i live a lot of great salmon and trout rivers are just completely dying off there's no there's no life in them and maybe five years ago they were absolutely strong thrumming with life but it's uh so depressing why can't we stop this this is just within our powers as a as a wealthy nation to stop polluting our rivers i agree with you and people that you know visit beautiful areas of the countryside and then you know will leave rubbish well, yeah, um, that's just crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's madness to think that people do that, but it happens. And yeah, we've been hearing that people leave disposable barbecues on the summit of Snowdon and places yeah. like that, which yeah. um, is, is kind of unbelievable. But it does remind me, actually, that I think we can all do our bit there because, um, I mean, many times I've seen people complaining about rubbish, you know, at their feet and then walking off and leaving it there. And, um, yeah. I'll be, you know, I think we need to get... Those of us who love the countryside needs to exactly. Get it's in the definitely habit of something we can do. With them. We can help. Part of our litter heroes campaign. Away, yeah. yeah, the litter heroes campaign that Karis mentioned is all about that. You're you're totally right. We we shouldn't moan about it if we can if we can actually deal with it ourselves because unfortunately there are lots of wild places and and our agencies, our councils, our litter cleaners can't get there or don't know about it or aren't don't have the facilities or money to do it. So. Um, in fact, I was I was I was looking at a f- fly dumped fridge yesterday while gathering winter holly and things for Christmas decorations, and I, it was so depressing. But there were a load of cans and bottles, so in this in a small way, I couldn't I couldn't get rid of the fridge, but the, all the other stuff I was able to get rid of. And I, I think if you can get rid of it, it stops people thinking this is a crappy old site. I can throw my own rubbish there, and no thinking one will mind. it will miraculously disappear. Yeah. That somebody will. Take it away. Yeah, the magic litter fairies. I mean, you have to spare a thought for farmers who are getting, you know, um, the kind of stuff that it's not easy to put in a bag and take away, dumped Mm. on their land. Yeah, yeah, it costs them money. Building waste and all kinds of stuff. Mm. 
It's disgraceful. Laura, did you have something um, to add to that? My main thing was the same litter mm. and um, I heard on the news about hedgehog numbers declining, yeah. which I thought was quite sad because everyone loves down. a hedgehog. Yeah, massively so, um, I think we have something in February. There's a, a National Hedgehog Day in February. So, yes, hopefully second we can... Um, February, 2nd of February, yes. Yeah. So um, there'll be some information Interesting there. Interesting, on the last yeah. country file, apparently hedgehogs have had a population explosion at oh. the end of last year, but not, not in okay. any way going to redress the... It's just, for some reason, the conditions in late autumn were really right. good. So hedgehog sanctuaries and all these wildlife rescue places are full of baby hedgehogs because yeah. they're all born late Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the point is that if we create good conditions they could rebound could back rebound, but yeah. at the moment we're not creating very good conditions for hedgehogs make holes in our fences yeah that's right Yeah. stop grubbing up hedges yeah. what, so they can go from garden to garden yeah, so yeah. they can yeah. roam over a larger area yeah. find food and so on yeah. and actually on that point just leave a small area of your garden to be slightly wild that's probably one of the best things people can do. Yeah, that tid- um, the tidiness thing that people have about gardens is like anathema to wildlife. It's stop it. <laughs> be messier. Yeah, be messier. In that case, I'm doing quite well. I was Excellent. Say, same as me. Yeah, good, good. Well, <laughs> your wildlife will thank you. Well, that's the thing. That you know, get notes through the door saying, "Please clip your hedge." Well, yeah, but do bird- you? No, no. Friends of mine in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, now I'm very good at keeping up with the neighbours, but uh, now I'm lucky to have neighbours who are wild either side, so that's great. But um, what else can we do in our gardens ne- next year then to introduce a new subject? Well, what to increase, improve wildlife, uh, to increase yeah, wildlife. Somebody was telling me that it's actually really important to leave a bit of bare earth. I mean, I knew I knew all about wildflowers and long grass and grass snakes and uh, invertebrates and that sort of thing, but Bare earth, apparently. It's good for bees. Oh, yeah, some mining things. Yeah, It doesn't stay bare for long, that's a problem. But I suppose you leave it bare for a couple of, a month or two and they come in and do their thing. You can can keep grubbing it out and keep... I'd say pond is is the one, number one thing that will just make your... I I put one in this year and already there are dragonflies. Well, it's the middle of winter now, but there were dragonflies within it. And I'm hoping for frogs and things in the... One of your toads, Laura, might come yeah, along. Excellent. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to ideally have a pond of a certain depth? Isn't that right? To stop the yeah. ice? Uh, yes, definitely. It should. I mean, 18 inches, I think, is, or whatever that is in metric, 30 centimetres. No, 40 centimetres. On a shallow um, end for creatures to get in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Stop your hedgehogs drowning. Yeah. Little um, tiny diving board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah parasols. Hot, hot um, <laughs> all those things. Um <laughs> Danny, uh, any any burning? What would you change if you had a magic wand? Yeah. Or? I think one of the things we were just talking about tidy, the tidiness of our gardens is good to let things mm. grow a little. I think road verges. Oh gosh, yeah. Things, yeah. A road verge has been completely mowed down. <clears throat> they seem to be very important wildlife corridors. It's just a huge range of species, but. And look out for the uh, special issue of Country File magazine. Oh, the green issue, yeah. Which contains a feature all about roadside verges and their importance to British wildlife. It is absolutely barbaric when you see road verges. The the key is to complain about them because I I saw some terribly brutalised road verges on my way to work back in the spring. And I complained to the Welsh Trunk Roads Agency or whatever it is 
and they were extremely po apologetic and hadn't been monitoring their contractors. And so they've promised now to monitor in a better way. Um, but I'm going to monitor them. <laughs> but also, it, it, it is such a wonderful wildlife resource. And why do we have to... Yeah, of course, at roundabouts and turnings and sharp bends and that sort of thing. But I suppose there's some moral in that, isn't there? It's complain. It's not. Don't just complain. Complain to somebody. Complain to the right people. Yeah, it took me a while to find out. I had yeah. to complain to the local council first, who said, "Oh, it's nothing to do with us, Gov," in a Welsh accent, and then, um, and then they pointed me to someone else, uh, the highways agency. Then pointed me to. So it was quite an exhaustive way. There's no easy way of doing it unless you 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 know at the beginning. But it was worth it, and I got a very full reply. So. Uh, and I've got the name of the person. So, yeah, keep on it. But I agree, verges. I think also in local parks, um, a lot of um, parks, they can leave an area for wildflowers or just mm. that longer grass. Um, but it's just, I don't know, some parks is all... A lot sense. of funding's gone from parks. Mm. And so I think they take the, the common, the quickest, which is mow everything <laughs> if they've got no money. Whereas it would be better just to save on the mow, the mower petrol and just not mow it. But, um, you know, that's something we could we could probably campaign about in the magazine. And that's so, so leaving a rough patch of grass is good for what pollinators? Yeah, butterflies, um, grasshoppers, all sorts of, yeah, bees, innumerable little insects, which obviously then feeds the birds and mammals and bats and all sorts. And then I suppose the seed mammals. heads, once if, if you leave the plant there long enough for the flowers to t turn into seed heads, then it's food for birds isn't yeah it? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's just there's so many benefits and even a small patch i mean our local park here in bristol castle park used to leave lovely wild bits mm. and now the only wild bits are the bits they can't get which are the bits of the castle or whatever those stones are in there where they can't actually mow and that's where you get little pockets of wildlife but the rest of it is sort of shaved bald and um poorer wildlife it's so lovely to go in the park and see butterflies and flowers and yeah more of that, please. Um, my my big issue is um, about access to the countryside. I think we all need to be really aware of our rights to explore and walk footpaths and byways respectfully, obviously, to the owner of the land, but also to assert that we have rights to roam and explore and see beautiful things and wildlife and that we... I often find, I live in Monmouthshire, I often find on the map there's a footpath but it's disappeared in real life. And I'm quite keen to walk those paths, but I've often had minor confrontations with the landowner who has possibly neglected it uh, or deliberately removed signs and styles and put fence, uh, barbed wire where there should be a free passage. That makes me really cross because we have a right to explore and I think... If we all have an ownership if we if we feel that we have um, a right to get out there and see things we then protect it and we we love it and then we protect it right, it's the case of use it or lose it isn't it really? yeah yeah and and absolutely I, I'm surprised that you know around little villages in Monmouthshire the, the footpaths are disappearing and people will walk their dogs just in the tiny little park in the middle of the village yeah and and it can have a real effect on on how you're able to navigate or orientate around the a, a place so if you start losing some of those routes then you end up having to go a long way around mm, um, uh, yeah and it may suit the landowner for that route to quietly vanish but um it doesn't 
really work in the long term. I guess we do have to think about the long term is, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we won't be driving so much in the future. Maybe we'll have to go under our own steam. Yeah, yeah, we'll need these routes. We're always going to need these routes. They were the roots of our, our ancestors going from work to home to lovers to whatever whatever paths of desire you see those are. <laughs> you cut across a field. Um, anyway, um, but, you know, we, they, they, they were there for a purpose, all these routes, and they may have a purpose again beyond just leisure and and, and to be honest, it's not it's not the farmers. It's generally not the people who've been there a long time. It's, it's sometimes people who've moved to an area and don't understand their their responsibilities in upkeeping these rights away. They sort of spent an awful lot of money on a rural property, uh, which has some land and a footpath through it, and and begin to think, gosh, well, shouldn't I have all the rights to this? Why should why should I have people traipsing past my door if I've spent a million and a half pounds on this? So I'm afraid you do have responsibility. Um, but that's all a bit gloomy, isn't it? So should we, should we, I think we should have one, we should have some mince pies, crackers and more, more oh, booze and then um, move on to something more Christmassy. Uh, Come on, Karis, give okay, it to us. Okay, so what did Cinderella say when the chemist lost, lost her photographs? Um, this is a slightly old school question, isn't it? Oh, hang on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, prince, something about I've lost my prince. Oh, you're on the right, oh. right track. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we're okay, going to need to. Someday my prince will come. Oh, yeah. yeah good. Okay. Good. Yeah. I feel quite negative, negative about that joke. Oh, okay. I think what you need, Fergus, is your Christmas hat on. Yeah, I haven't pulled a cracker yet. But, um, well, we've got one more opportunity later. The hat going free. Excellent. It's, uh, we realise we're all going to have to start making reusable crackers. Yes, well, we're talking about litter earlier. Actually, we've got a good crazy for the magnets here, isn't it? Reusable crackers. I think I suggested that. This yeah. Do you send any? Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not made the cut. You know, all the best ideas are old ideas. You could reuse toilet rolls, make beautiful crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, please do send us your ideas for reusable Christmas idea. Re- reusable Christmas, yeah. <laughs> Dreaming of a green Christmas. Okay, talking about Christmas, what countryside-related thing, anything, would you like as a Christmas present? Uh, well, I would like a dog, but I don't think it's a very good idea. Um, you, have, you can have mine. <laughs> he's, no thanks. He's very naughty. He's lovely, but he's naughty. Um, yeah, I would like a dog, um, but I, I, just, I just don't have time currently for a dog, so I know that it would be a very irresponsible thing to do. Joe, you only I live do. once. You only live once. Well, it might be one of those things, you know, sometimes you think you can't possibly do anything else above, above your current sort of burden, but then you you start doing something and you realise you can fit it in after all, you know, and, and actually you often find that with things. But I just think it might be a step too far. But I'm looking forward to the time where that might be possible. Right now it's not. You just got cats. Yeah. Cats are only a year old, but I think that's given us a taste for pets. That we, uh, we can, we can, we've realised we can do pets. Yeah, I would also like a dog at some point. Mm. What kind of dog? Oh, small. I don't have a very big house, so it would have to be small. I'm thinking um, a whippet because they are, they're kind of, they're quite quiet. They, they you know, they, they're they happy to do very little for long periods of time. Um, and then... Uh, they're beautiful. They don't, they don't smell, <laughs> which is a good, which is a bonus. And, um, and then they go, go like... 
stink when you take them out. Yeah. Well, I have a whippet lurcher kind of called Idris, and he is beautiful. He requires relatively little exercise because he just burns himself off in a couple of quick runs. He's the most char- charming, quiet, um, absolutely wonderful with kids. But he gets very excited and he jumps all over people for about five minutes when he meets people and everyone's wretched dog, get him off. And then that once he's done his mad greeting, which will jump, he'll jump up to head height, springing from the ground, which can be a bit off-putting. Uh, and um, we're doing our best to train. But uh, apart from that, he's the most perfect dog. But it might be because he's got a bit of border collie in him as well. Karis, how about you? What are you? Uh... Um, so I'm planning to do more. Well, I'd like to get more things done in my garden this um, in next year. So um, I'm t- determined to have a pond put in. Um, oh, yeah. So it's not quite countryside, but it's outdoors related. So I'd like to get my garden finished off Um possibly build a shed so that I can do more uh, crafty projects and sort of do more um, allotment digging and growing. So that's sort of my hopes for next year. Danny, Danny's just eating mince pies, he's unable to speak. Um, Laura, have you got a...? Um, I struggled a bit with this one, but I think maybe just try more things um, in the countryside that I haven't done before. Um, Possibly get a bike... I had a bike. Ooh, I haven't had a bike for a while. Oh, yeah, I like I'm, I'm cycling from the city out into the countryside. And where, where I live in Bristol, it's actually quite easy. There's lots of really nice cycle paths that go from the city out to the countryside. Um, Come so out yes, to my house for tea. Yes, I could, couldn't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, You're welcome. There's the incentive. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe okay. a bike just to get me out there. Okay. Mm. Um I'm, I'm, I'm completely I'm with you on that I'd really want to do some mountain biking mm. I want to do some proper off-road you know bike packing when you go maybe that would be great oh, that's, that that's fun to do so explain what bike packing is so yeah. I've done a bit of that this year um, so you pack all your, your tent and your equipment onto your bike and then just cycle um, so it's quite a nice sense of freedom so we've done sort of 50 mile radius but you can Bristol. put it on a, on a mountain bike um, you can a, get a, a sort bike. of a touring bike. I mean, I'm just using a hybrid bike, so you don't need all sort of, I don't know, flashy gear. Um, it can be quite hard work if you're in a hilly area, but it's just really nice to be able to see how far you can go and then pitch your tent for the night um, without having to sort of deal with cars and trains. So can I, can I ask you, do you just pitch your tent wherever you sort of stop? Uh, I mean, it depends or do where you go in to the country. Campsite? So you can, in somewhere like Dartmoor or Scotland, you can obviously, there's a lot of areas you can wild camp for free. Mm. Um, we did use a sort of campsite. Um, mm. So we stayed, one place we stayed, which was nice, was near Farley Hungerford, which is near Bradford-on-Avon. In Wiltshire, which is, yeah. Which is Very really nice. pretty. Um, but it's probably best to check with the landowner if you're just pitching up anywhere. There's lots of sort of... Um, Rules, unofficial rules as well, aren't there? Like, um, especially in Scotland, camping away from roads and out of sight, um, not having fires and things like that. Mm. There's a lot of uh, campsites that you can um, stay quite cheaply, particularly if you turn up without a car. They'll often allow you to stay for quite sort of a low cost. So yeah, probably if people want they're interested in it. Probably a good idea to look up leave no trace. Camping, and I think there's some articles on the uh, yeah, we have a very good website. beginner's guide to wild camping. There we are, <laughs> see, lots of useful information. Danny, now you've finished your mince pie. Um, I just like getting maps, I like getting a map of 
of anywhere and that's where for me personally I feel lost my adventures start mm. to the map oh oh yeah mm. you can just you can just analyze the map before you've even gone anywhere and um you can sort of visualize what the valleys will look like and the mountain tops and and then you get to go there and explore that area and it's always different it's always completely different well for me personally to what i've conjured up in my head both are really yeah. good i think they tend to find both are good like you create this image in your head and then you go there and then once mm. you come back you can look back mm. at it again and you sort of as you're looking along the contours in the past you can uh remember your experience. oh that's lovely um yeah. anticipation is such yeah. an important part of traveling isn't it and exploring I have to find when you the reality of that long of that ridge that looks really enticing is yeah. this endless, yeah. and there's another summit, and then another summit, and then another summit, yeah. which is kind of exciting, but also like the map leads you to think, oh, this could be just a two-hour quick jaunt up, and six hours later, you it's yeah. getting dark, and that map <laughs> it didn't tell me how long. There's a map. There's one mountain that. Joe and I have both got a bit of a crush on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so crush. oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how you yeah. pronounce it. But. I, I think if you go on what's the it's Walk Highlands the yeah. website, they they have a little pronunciation guide. Do they? Do you, I think it's something like Sylvain, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not very good at that. <laughs> Wait, let's take that out. That's no. like <laughs> Swedish chef. Yeah, Sylvain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stick it out. Um, anyway, so I'll like, go back to the man crush bit. Yeah, it's just an amazing mountain. It's sort of, it's, it's just this huge area, very flat area with just like all these lockens. Um, lockens like, are small locks, small, yeah. Yeah, small yeah. locks um, and really remote. And then... We're getting hot now, so yeah. now that you're describing silver, <laughs> I'll take my jacket off. James man crush is a <laughs> mountain go crush. On. And then just out, out of this, there's this, um, just a huge... Lump of land, basically, it just rises up. It's a proper mountain. It's a proper mountain. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a um, Monroe, I think, isn't it? So I don't think it is actually. Oh, it I think it's, it's a bit under that. So what's a Monroe? Three thousand feet. Three thousand feet. Okay, yeah. so um, three thousand feet. Right, yeah, um, but it, look, it just because it's so pronounced in the landscape, it looks mm. um, epic. Well, it goes up from virtually sea level, so it's probably a higher vertical climb than some Monroes are because yeah. they, the climb begins at, um, you know higher above sea level yeah. that sounds that doesn't really make sense does it but anyway <laughs> yeah sort of yeah it's there's it's there's more to climb because you're starting at the very bottom yeah that's do you see and it's not doesn't look like a gradual climb is it? it looks sort of, it looks like you really got to work work to get up there yeah straight up isn't it yeah you two have climbed some some real sort of tough peaks haven't you where you've got to get down your hands and knees and scramble a bit a little bit of scrambling I'm not I've too only much done a bit where's that yeah. ridge that you've walked which <clears throat> looks absolutely yeah, that's terrifying yeah Anahiga which is on in say, say that again Anahiga An I An you wouldn't ask me to say <laughs> that <laughs> the Swedish chef's back yeah. <laughs> um, it's the old the crowd the, uh, the sort of rim of a volcano um, and the you know two sides of the volcano have completely collapsed and that's that leaves uh, the ridge on one side of Glencoe and the other, if that makes sense. And um, it's, yeah, you have to get down on hands and knees to parts of it. And it's incredibly exposed. So you would look to your left and six inches to your left is a drop of, you know, 200 metres or more. It's quite scary. Brilliant. <laughs> but it's fun. Not one to do on a kind of wintry day without ropes. Yeah. Or with five or six pints in you. <laughs> Preferably not, no. no. I think you drink those afterwards. Yeah, that sounds yeah. a great, uh, sounds a good adventure. 
not sure about the vertigo kicking in and that sort of thing. But um, maps, so that's a nice thing. Yeah, so everyone's buy a map of Sylvain or how yeah. do you? Apologies to Gaelic speakers out there. Yeah, no, and and all uh, accents that we've done today. Um, I was going to say something glib about oh, it'd be nice to have a Christmas present of of stronger environmental legislation. Blah blah blah. Yes, of course. But actually, selfishly, I really like the idea of um, exploring at night. And there's more and more books out about going for night walks, and obviously, there's a whole world out there that we don't often see. But I'd really like some heat-sensitive heat, um, binoculars or scopes so you can watch warm-blooded creatures on the move, badgers, deer and all sorts. But uh, they're really expensive, so I think it's just a fantasy. Um, but uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can do a, do a test. <laughs> but I really like the idea of going out on some of my familiar routes, which I know are full of wildlife because they're uh, full of, sort of mammal tracks and things. So things are out there. But just to sit quietly on a warm summer's evening, away from everybody. That's the main thing, actually, just get away from everybody. Um, but with these scopes and just, I, it would be so exciting to see these. Because I've, I've done it once in a woodland near Bristol. And it was absolutely, it, it's eerie to see deer feeding in a glade, like 200 yards away. And they're totally unaware of you. But you would never know they're there just walking through so, so do they pick been, a lot of stuff up can you see you it? can see them really clearly really good ones you can you can get a really clear image um uh, the, the weaker ones are the cheaper ones obviously just because sort of fuzzy and, and and really and there's been a string of books about night walking yeah as i was there's, saying there's, there's been a, um chris yates yeah and book. matt gore all both of them have written matt gore yeah. um dixie yeah. wills yeah so it's clearly an undiscovered continent uh, all these experiences that you can we just don't I think have one of the big differences is whether you go on your own or not yeah yeah because yeah. if you go out on your own at, at night that it's it's a completely different sensation i mean it, it's got something to be said for it but you know it's, it's quite frightening at times i've well, d- i've done it when i lived wild it was quite um i've i've found even walking familiar paths turn off the torch and yeah the night just closes in on you particularly in woodlands i've got i've got I, I used to find that, but I've got a bit more, um, sort of, bit more used to it because I often walk back from the bus stop through the woods in the dark. Uh, I listen to the radio on my headphones, and really, while well, well, walking that, in the dark, I've, that started to sort of spook me slightly. So, I, but now I'm, I can happily walk along, listen to the news. I'm not bothered, really. I think it's, you know, you, you just get used to it. Just <laughs> up yeah. the, the thing is, you wouldn't worry about an axe murderer during the day, and uh, so. In a way, why? Well, they don't you know, come out in the day. Well, they, yeah, they'll be tucked up at night. They're nocturnal animals. Too. Well known. Yeah. Well, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's killed, and she'll kill again. <laughs> Some good Christmas presents there. So, if anyone's feeling generous, listening in, maps for Danny, scopes, and all sorts of wonders. <laughs> Not a dog for me. No, a, a, a small dog for Laura. And a bike, and a yes, bike, a dog and a bike. That's quite greedy, actually. <laughs> um, so we've got, we're at the end of the year, and it has been a busy year, and we've done lots of things that we talked about. What are you all looking forward to doing? I mean, the magazine will have plenty of work for you to do, obviously, but um, what have you got any plans, that exciting countryside adventures that you'd like to talk about? I've got one ambitious one and one less ambitious one. 
my brother texted me yesterday saying, do I want to walk across Wales this year? Um, so that's my, my ambitious one. North to south or east west? I'm not sure. He just said, can, <laughs> can we pick the most exciting route across? So. Oh, that's interesting. It'd probably have to be north to south then, or south north. Maybe north to south and then east to west and then yeah. north, northwest to south again. Wow. Zigzagging okay. all the way around. Good. I think picking your own routes is the right, the smart way to do it. Yeah. Very well, instead of following the books. Yeah. Sort of like a, and do you think that? Yeah, really? Okay. I mean, sure, you've had someone who knows what they're doing picking a route previously, but, you know, I, do, I, I, think, it, I think there's some great routes out there that no one has officially declared a route. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with that. That's really interesting that um, there are all these guidebooks with walks in them. And magazines with walks in them, but obviously there are hundreds of thousands of miles of path out there, and there must be fantastic walks that no one ever does. In I mean, I suppose what it does do is it helps you to avoid the kind of dull bits that you don't look dull on the map, but yeah. turn out to be dull when you actually get there. Yeah. Keep those paths open. Keep them open, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tread, tread the forgotten paths, yeah. forgotten corners. How about you, Laura? What have you got I don't plan that far ahead, but um, <laughs> uh, I definitely I think it's really important to be creative, and um, I like in my spare time to make things. I'm quite a crafty person, and I think we have lots of inspiring makers in our magazine. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we have basket makers, and we have a stained glass artist in a recent issue, and I think it just inspires me to do workshops and you know create things and. That's what keeps me happy is to know that I'm always creating something. And that's a really good. Yeah, I learning, think that's a really good point about the happiness. Yeah, it does make you happy, and especially learning these traditional methods. Um, you know, I quite like to have a go at pottery making mm. and stuff like that. So so true. Actually, getting down and making things, the process of it all, is so absorbing, mm. mindful, but also rewarding. Very and rewarding. Actually, you feel. Much, it's it's more gratifying than so many other yeah. things that we do do with our time. Yeah, uh, and I, I think because those sort of, you know, um, traditional methods kind of, you know, got forgotten for a long time. There's a real resurgence. People love the idea of going back to the traditional methods of creating things. And I think yeah, it's really interesting sort to learn. Reaction to the digitalization. Yeah. Sorry, Karis, being digitalized. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you you do crafts. As well. I mean, you make. Um, silver jewellery I think it's balanced so um, like Danny mentioned he wanted um, some new maps although it's great you can use apps and there's lots of digital platforms you can use there's nothing I think that can beat having like the actual thing in your hand and perhaps we shouldn't always rely on technology particularly in the outdoors it's to have make sure that you can do the basic map reading and have those and that's from our web editor. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's balance, isn't it? It's like yeah. you wouldn't just rely on one thing. Do come to our website to find out how not <laughs> to be digital. <laughs> Spend more time away from screens. Yeah, really. But how about you, Joe? 2020? Well, it's, uh, look, are any exciting trips, adventures to share? Well, I hope I'm going to go on some, some exciting yeah. adventures. <laughs> sure. I, I, if I'm going to be sort of modest, if I'm going to be sort of modest, like think about the doable, definitely doable ones, I want to spend a lot more time in my local countryside. Um, I, just this year, I started occasionally running into work and I want to make sure that I carry on doing that because I get just in, in a, an hour and a half or an hour between here and home, you get a really big fix. You know, you see things when you're out running that you don't see when you're walking 
I think it's because you're on your own, so you just make less noise. So yeah. you're less likely to disturb when you, when wildlife. you're running. You make less noise. Or you make less noise running on your own than you do walking with people. Yeah, yeah, know? sure, sure. So you you know yeah. when you're walking along and you're probably going to drive away any wildlife, mm. you know, for hundreds of yards around yeah. you. But um, out running on my own, I find it to see more. I see deer and um, you know buzzard feeding in the field and. You know, but you just see more stuff. Um, so I enjoy that, and that's great. Um, I also want to do a few more of these mini adventures. So some um, friends, of the friends I went walking in um, the Beacon Beacons with, I think we've, we've got plans to get up to Snowdonia and do something up there. So you're talking about like a weekend? Yeah, like a, just to, you know, because you, you could of... turn it around, can't you? I mean, we, you know, uh, if people have... Um, Families, obviously, lots of commitments there, but you can have fun in a 24-hour period and go out and do something quite different uh, without committing a huge amount of time to it. So that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, also, just want to be a bit more active, do a bit of mountain biking, as I mentioned. I think that would be fun. Well, we're doing... Well, you take your take the podcast recorder with you, Jay, when you do your mountain bike. Strap it to your handlebars. <laughs> my thigh. Strap it to your handlebars, maybe. Right. Because we don't okay. want to hear your thigh. Okay. <laughs> you might have to bleep, bleep it a bit if uh, it gets hairy on a downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's lots of things to be unraveled there. Um, <laughs> um yeah, podcasts. Well, uh, that's what I'm very excited about. I do go out exploring a lot. I live in the Brecon Beacons, but I'm found doing the podcasts, the podcasts as we're calling them, because they are walking podcasts. Cunning. Um, you need a little drum roll. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but we can they, add that. Can we add that afterwards? The podcast. They are really fun. Also, when you're recording, yes, it's a bit of a burden to be walking and talking but I found that it makes me look really really closely at things and try and see it not just through my eyes but through other people's eyes and I've seen I mean back on this year I've had some amazing encounters with wildlife I had a barn owl fly into me on a, in a on a downland in Mar in um, Hampshire Martin Down that's a really it's worth listening to that just purely for the cascade of Skylark song which one but is actually, that one then first Ma Martin Down Martin Down Martin okay. Down so yeah and that you get to hear me squeal with like um, just sheer delight I'm actually just this um, owl was flying along a track towards me and I happened to have the recorder on and at first I thought oh, God, what on earth's that and then it became clear it was an owl and it got closer and closer and I was commentating on it I was obscured by this hawthorn bush and it flew right uh, as close as this microphone is to me now and, you know, the wingtip didn't brush my face but I certainly got way overexcited. And there's been other things, uh, wild boar in the Forest of Dean, first ever, first time seeing that, uh, peregrines, all uh, chuffs, great birds, foxes, all, all sorts of things have just come must out. must have been chuffed Slightly to see them. Very chuffed. <laughs> What you want? They know you're recording. Well, yeah, they like to demand. be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just five points for Joe there. Um, yeah, they. Uh, it's just great being out and about, forcing myself to go out uh, some evenings where I really don't want to go out, but I really need to make a podcast. And actually, it's those occasions which are the best. So there's lots of them, and we've got a whole new season of podcasts starting in January. 
starting with a walk along the cliffs, Glamorgan Cliffs, and that was a really great one, really beautiful day um, and a stunning part of the world to go to. We've got also a truffle hunter, um, a live truffle hunting expedition somewhere in a secret location, um, which I don't even know which, which county it is. Uh, but we've got a man and his dog hunting truffles and they find truffles live in the podcast and it is the most hilarious. They're both characters. The dog's called Tobacco and digs up about 10 truffles, probably hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of truffles in one one episode. Um, and then they, they eat them at the end in butter and there's this sort of rather marvellous finish to the podcast. Lots of, other, lots of other great things, some issue-based ones about hunting, and um, and lots more podcasts, and we'll do some more as and when the weather gets better after Christmas. But please do tune in and let us know. We found a lot of people who are who do really busy lives, or perhaps confined to wheelchairs, or perhaps um, have uh, visual impairments. They are really enjoying sort of coming out on a walk with us. So um, that's lovely to hear, and we've had some lovely reviews of the podcast. So hopefully more of that. So, yeah, so here we are. We are coming to the end of our Christmas podcast. Yeah, here's to you, team, and here's to the listeners. Cheers. Have a very Cheers. happy Christmas. Cheers. Happy Christmas, all. Happy Christmas. So that's it for 2019 from the BBC Countryfile magazine team. Thank you, everyone, here for their fascinating thoughts, and we'd love to hear what you, the listener, is up to, too. Please send us your stories by emailing us at editor at countryfile.com and Danny will kindly wade through all the emails and some of yours may be printed in the magazine. And if you can't wait for the next series of our podcasts, tune in to our previous episodes at Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify or any other podcast provider. Um, we've got 36 adventures already published and they're all completely free to listen to. And don't forget to visit our website, countryfile.com, which Karis looks after and should be delighted to get more visitors um, for all your countryside needs, including insight into the Countryfile TV programme, loads of walks. Karis, other exciting things on the website? News? Foraging, uh, lots of crafts, um, increasing amount of um, walks and recipes. So Everything, everything. All you with can... OS Map. Yes. Oh, yes. All uh, with OS Maps that Danny kindly plots. So have a really wonderful and wild Christmas from all of us here at BBC Country Farm magazine. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.